In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Guys, we honor you today. Because you're out there grinding it out in the stress bubble of life. Males are treating the anonymous bleachers, but you have jumped into the arena, into the fray of manhood. And for that, we thank you guys. We also thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. We've got a great podcast lined up for you today, guys. We are pumped that you're listening. Our goal today is to call you into the arena, to call you out of every obstacle preventing you from becoming your best version, and to call you up to your highest levels of manhood. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with the Mix Master, the Doctor of Sound, the PhD of the M-I-X-I-N-G. <laughs> that was good. Dr. Pat George. How you doing, man? I'm I just made good, that up. Man. That wasn't that, written down or anything. That was good. We've not heard that I mean, one my before. Coffee, my coffee level is like perfect right now. Yeah. It's like not dipping. It's like no. perfect. Hey, that was spectacular. So I appreciate that. And of course, as always, you're here with our producer, co-host, friend of over 15 years, the backbone of the MCP, Dale Gene Culver. Why are you looking at him when you're talking about me? Well, because you're ugly. You don't is want to it? look into my eyes? No, no. <laughs> it's, he you're he a looks vampire. at you a lot. I'm a vampire. <laughs> or a Medusa. Sorry about that. I just have I've got our guest straight in front of me, and I've got a bad neck from football oh, injury. And yeah, I, just didn't I turn know why it, your so. neck is bad. My... <laughs> no, don't even go there. Don't Stop. even go there. Street fighting. Man, that yeah, was yeah. Hey, previous. what happens at Fight Club <sighs> stays at Fight Club. Yeah. Okay, okay. Do you got a man word for me today? Fathering. So uh, you just stole that from one of my last podcasts. Whatever, dude. I uh, came into this when I read our I like that word. Our guest bio. Oh, and I was like, okay, I'm yeah. looking at this. Uh, we have uh, we have something in common where um, we know some pretty amazing people, but <laughs> there were also uh, we were foster parents. We've uh, adopted children, and uh, and I, it's such a key thing. It's such an awesome thing that we're 
uh, as a man, you step up and you see somebody who's missing yeah. that component in their life, and you step into that gap, and you say, I will take you on as my own, and I will love you as my own. And, and there are so many kids that are just fractured and broken because of choices that men have made or men who have walked out of their lives. And as fathers and, and men, we should be stepping in and filling that gap. Well, and it's not an easy road. When you're adopting, it is. Uh, we should be done in July, and it's been a nasty five years almost. It's been a long, long yeah. process. Well, you know, in, in the book of Job, chapter 29, Job lists what I call the nine traits of manhood, and one of those is being a father to the fatherless. Right. We live in a fatherless generation, so for those guys out there stepping up and fathering, even if you're not a father, like right. you bring in kids into the house, go out there and coach kids. There's so many young men out there today, young children, young girls, that just don't have a father in their life. They need They need somebody to to look up to and respect as a man who will speak life into them. And so mm-hmm. yeah, um, that is that is a really, really uh, important man word. And so, man, I appreciate that, Dale. Thank you. You hit one out of the park today, man. Mm. So, hey, I do want to encourage our men to go check out our Men in the Arena Facebook forum for men. That thing is, uh, we set a goal as a board in January to have 10,000 guys on that. We just started that in November, and we will have 10,000 guys maybe by the time this podcast goes live. Mm-hmm. And so if you have not gone on to that uh, Facebook forum for men, go on to it, join it. And if you add 100 of your buddies, we will send you uh, my latest book, The Man Card, or we'll send you our custom T-shirt made by Next Level. And so we got some great stuff for you guys. So uh, make sure you do that. So, man, hey, I'm excited today about our, our guest, JT McGraw. Let me uh, read you this guy's bio. Uh, he comes highly recommended from one of the guys we had on here, Stephen Mansfield. You might remember our episode with Stephen. But JT's a 50-year-old guy. He's been married to his wife, Shelly, for 27 years. That's awesome. He has several children, Seth, 26, Carson, 23, Allie Beth, 21. Is it Haley or Hallie? Hallie Berry. Hallie, 10, <laughs> and Blakely, 7. Oh, brother, you're in and out of the bubble at the same time. Oh, my goodness. He's currently the men's pastor at Bethel World Outreach in Brentwood, Tennessee, where he's been on staff for eight years. He started the B-Men movement out of uh, his church. Uh, He coaches men overseas, uh, Tennessee, Arizona, Ohio, Alabama, Florida, Latin America, travels around speaking to them around the world uh, and how to reach and minister to men. He's worked with LifeWay for the past five years, training hundreds of men uh, and men's leaders on how to reach and equip men. And he is an occasional blogger for Authentic Manhood, Robert Lewis's organization. And man, it's so excited to have you on. So JT, how you doing, man? Welcome. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Man, we're just really excited. I, I'm just uh, really pumped to dive in with you. And it's it's fun because I get guys on I've never met before. And afterwards, I feel mm-hmm. like I've known them forever. And uh, I can tell that you're a talker outgoing type so this should be fun are you italian am i italian uh you know i've not done that dna test yet but <laughs> i'm i don't think i'm italian okay i was just wondering because you all you, you kind of talk like one of us so you i just, just need to know. swab the cheek and send it in so, they can tell you yeah. oh yeah, yeah. I should for a small <laughs> fee hey anyway we're gonna we're gonna loosen up the juices here jt we're gonna throw you into what we call our rapid fire round so are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, what I've what I've done for you because I, I read your bio and I you sent us the family picture and and I think that you're a guy that can handle this. Very few can handle this. 
but I think you can handle this. This is the use a word in a sentence round. Oh gosh. Okay. okay here we go. And so I've okay. picked, I've picked a few where I've picked a couple words that relate to you. Uh, I've picked a couple words that relate to me and I've picked a couple that are in between. I even picked a couple words that aren't even words. So uh, the first, oh, the first word is this. We've just got to ask the question. The word is coffee. I drink coffee every day, all day. See, I knew it. That's why I asked him. I knew he wasn't. A t- I knew he wasn't a tea drinker. Yeah, I just knew no. it. I could. The moment I saw him, I liked him. I got to ask him. <laughs> What's your favorite drink? Would you have when you go to when you order a drink? What is it? Oh, just black coffee. You know, they can uh, tell. You can tell the kind of man the guy is by the coffee he orders. So you're a low maintenance, get her done. That's good, I don't man. like waiting in line. Yeah, kind of yeah. guy. That's oh, it. Oh man, you you are Mike. I I order a black americano is what yeah. I get. Oh yeah, but see, they still have to make the americano, so you know you still got to uh, wait. Yeah, you know, yesterday I ordered a black coffee, but the americano is my go-to just because it has a little bit more solidif- solidity yeah. to it. I guess would be the word. Thicker. I don't know. Thicker. thicker. There you go. Redneck. Thicker yeah. and versus yeah. So. so solidification. There you go. Thank yeah. you. See, I'm yeah. not that smart. Yeah. So you know, I need some. <laughs> oh my gosh. I need some help. So that's why I have a doctor in the room. So yeah. anyway, thicker. okay. Second word is not a word, but I, I want you to talk me through this. UK okay. UK basketball. You know, there's a bunch of haters out there about UK basketball, but. I've just, you know, I've just realized that people just don't like winners. So, you know, <laughs> so I'm, the, I'm okay with it. I've settled. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Now, I am not a huge watcher of college basketball, but didn't they win a national championship a couple years ago? Uh, yeah, they, uh, they did. They've won eight total. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we're right behind UCLA, but. Duke and North Carolina are trying to catch up, but yeah. you know they're they're a bunch of one of I didn't know so. UK was that good. <laughs> oh my I, gosh! I just, I just don't follow it. You they're know? the big dogs. Well, I, I, my alma yeah. mater is Royal Blue, my high school alma mater. Yeah. So I I see UK playing. I go, oh Royal Blue, yeah. got to root for those guys. You get a lot of yeah. one and dunners though. Really? One, yeah. Coach Cal has uh, definitely started a trend. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. I think he he's kind of regretting it at the moment because he keeps losing great players every year. So yeah, uh, he makes it hard on himself. So who's the who would you say is the the one? I'm not a big basketball guy. So who's the one guy I would know about that's playing in the NBA right now? Uh, Anthony Davis with oh, New wow. Orleans. Is yeah, he the one with UK one guy. eyebrow? One eyebrow? The unibrow. That's yeah, right. That, I, see, I did know oh, him. him. Yeah. See, there you go. Oh, there you go. Well, that's good. You got to love the unibrow because it says like I drink black coffee. Like I just don't it, care enough to shave it. It's yeah, game on. Yeah. yeah. And it says I make enough money that I don't really care what you think. I'm gonna trademark my I'm gonna trademark my eyebrow. <laughs> which which he has, by the way. Oh which is man, funny, that's awesome. But, oh yeah. All right. Hey, next word, man. Get a little serious here. Next word, masculinity. Masculinity is in a state of confusion. Whoa. Right now that our culture has created that I believe that only in my opinion, that only Christ can reveal what true masculinity is. Okay, that is deep. I'm going to come back to that because sure. you you just unlocked a Pandora's box, which is what I was hoping you would do. So the next word is this, finishing. Finishing. I don't like starting, but I do like finishing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it's all about, right? People don't remember starts. 
Uh, only the ones that fail. <laughs> only the ones that aren't UK in basketball. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. No, I love uh, it. I, I think finishes are, are, are so uh, much more of a lasting impression. Yeah. You can make a great first impression, but can you make a lasting one? And the lasting impression comes from finishers, that's not right. quitters. Well, I guess quitters make an impression as well, but those are just not a good one. Yeah. Those are the guys that are in the bleachers. They're the ones in the bleachers. They're the ones telling everybody how to play the game, but they're not actually shooting the ball. They're not actually crashing the boards. They're not actually dribbling the ball down the field. So down the court. Whoa, so. whoa, whoa. That was a little too close right there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. Oh, really? I can't, I can't play basketball, but I can sure tell the ref how to appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, well, no, see, now that's different because I think they want you to help them. And so we're, oh, yeah. we're just no, there uh, to serve. We're there to serve. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they, I mean, I actually have these guys go, hey, thank you so much for yelling at me out there because I just needed the encouragement to make the right call. I'm like, well, hey, I'm, I'm here to serve, man. I love Jesus. So, hey, you know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Next word, man. I, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this word. The word is weak. W E A K. Weak. It's a great word. Uh, because a little twist on it, I believe the, the weakness or weak parts of us reveal the areas that we actually need to work on. That's good, man. The weak areas are actually, so that's a, a, a good thing for us. That's something that identifies, Hey buddy, this is an area where you can grow. That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, I do, uh, uh, I'm a licensed preparing rich counselor. And so Mm -hmm. I'll do pre-marriage and marriage counseling and say grow, they, they grade these couples on, you know, nine to 11 categories uh, and, and their couple agreement score. And based on the couple agreement score, they're either given a, this is a strength or a potential growth area. That's now, right. If they get a zero, I call that a weakness, but the test says it's a potential growth area. And I think that's really good. When we have weak areas, those are actually potential growth areas. And so really, really good, man. That's right. Hey, last word, uh, congratulations on your 27 years of marriage. Uh, we've been laughing and talking earlier today about how hard marriage is and what an investment marriage is. So that is the word I want you to th- tell me what you think about that word in a sentence. The word is marriage. Marriage, the most difficult, the most difficult thing to achieve in, yet the most rewarding when it's done. Man, I'll tell you what, that is so true. You know, uh, my wife and I, after I would call it. 21-ish years of marriage. Now, our kids are a little bit different. I have three boys. They're 24, 22, and 20. And so they're kind of on the other end of the stress bubble. They're they're in college. One is, Two of them have finished college already. But when we hit about 20 years of marriage, our marriage really took a turn for the better. Mm, and yeah. I finally saw that investment paying off. Did your, Have you experienced something similar in your marriage? Uh, how much time do we have? No, on this well, podcast? my uh, next question is going to talk about your crisis experience. So maybe that has to do with your marriage. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, uh, well, my crisis, uh, situation was myself, which affected my marriage. Yeah. Uh, which is true for all of us. Yeah. Uh, the marriage is a perfect institution created by God. So there's nothing wrong with marriage. It's the two people that are, that come together that, make it that bring trouble into it totally so uh yeah you know i don't even my wife says uh she's been married to two men uh the first 13 years she was married to a guy that i don't even really uh know anymore Mm. and then the last 14 she's been married to the 
to the man that she always hoped that she would be married to. Uh, I spent the first uh, 13 years of my marriage being unfaithful to my wife. Uh, the whole 13 years, even when we were dating. And uh, when all that came out, uh, obviously that was a crisis. Uh, and we were headed for divorce, of course. no Nobody would blame a woman for divorcing a man like I was. Uh, I, did, I wanted to divorce myself if I could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but then, you know, what really... The, the crisis was averted, not because, and this is a principle that I just, I tell a lot of guys, I, I didn't try to save my marriage. Hmm. That wasn't my goal. Actually, my goal was to become the man that God created me to be. When that happened, that's actually what softened my wife's heart back toward me. And uh, it's a long story. There's a lot of a lot of things I learned through it that I still talk about today uh, at marriage conferences and stuff like that. But uh, really, it was it was me getting my life right. And you know, if my wife were to still leave me, I, I would I wouldn't have blamed her uh, at all. I'm just glad that she was patient enough to wait and to just see uh, you know what would happen. So. That's that's one of my crises. I have a few, but that's one of them. That's the major one, actually. So your life. So in on your website, you talked about the personal collapse of your life and career. Yeah. Was the career a result of the life crash, or was the life crash a result of the career crash? Were they, or, or were they mutually exclusive? Sure. You can't. You, you can't. You know, I, I tell guys all the time. You can't. You can't lack integrity in your marriage and not lack integrity in the rest of your life. Somewhere along the line, you're going to give in to uh, the pressure and the stresses that your job and career and friendships and relationships bring uh, because you've given in in this area uh, of your marriage. So, yeah, I mean, my business really suffered. I was a, a general contractor. Uh, I was a general contractor for 22 years. Oh, wow. uh, during that time, it was around 03, 04, Man, I was I had some good projects going and you know when when January 16th happened that's the date that all of it came out. Uh I actually didn't work for about for about 3 to 4 months. Oh, wow. Uh I just I just couldn't. I mean my, I was when I say I was in a dark place, I was in a very very dark place. And uh I couldn't even function. Uh then my you know after we got back together uh, I was building some pretty massive homes, multi-million dollar homes, and the crash of 2008 happened, and I lost all my business, had to file bankruptcy, I and mean, it was just a mess. But, man, my marriage stayed strong through that whole thing. Wow. Uh, and my my wife was just like, you know what, it's, what we've been through and what we've come out of, man, this is just money. Money can come and go. And, you know, we went from living in a you know, a nice house. I had trucks, Hummers. I mean, you, you know, I had my toys to renting a house in a, <laughs> you know, in a neighborhood and wondering how I was going to make the rent. So, wow. I mean, I mean, we've been, we've been all over the board as a, as a married couple, but I would say that 2004 was the demarcation of man. We can, we, we can ride any storm and come through it. And, uh, I, my wife says a crazy statement. 
I, I love one of my favorite things is to hear my wife talking to another woman on the phone about our marriage and where it's at now and where it was. It's just amazing. But she says this all the time. She said, if I was guaranteed the marriage that I have now, I would have to be a guarantee. I would go through all that again to Whoa, get what I have. Wow. That's good. Yeah. Wow. And that's a, that's, that's a crazy statement uh, to hear your wife, you know, the woman that you supposedly loved and vow, made vows to and, that, that I would go to the depths of deceit and deception and betrayal and being unfaithful. But yet she would turn around and say, if I could go through all that again and got this guy, I would do it. So that's pretty humbling. Uh, it's all about, it's all, you know, I call it the, you're going to love this as a UK basketball fan. I call it the rebound effect. Are yeah. we willing to crash the boards and, and, and go get that rebound once we lay the brick? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, sure. And sounds like you, that 04, up to 04, you really experienced a rebound in your life. Uh, I have a question for you, though. You yeah. said that you were in a dark place. Yeah. Now, now by dark, help me out here. By dark, do you mean broken? Or by dark, do you mean uh, secret sin? What do you mean by you were in a dark place? A depression? What is this dark place? Well, it's interesting. I traded one dark place for another dark place, right? Whoa. So. The dark, the, the dark place that I was in was the, my sin. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the hiddenness, the, you know, you've heard the saying, you're as sick as your darkest secret. Right? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I was a bit pretty sick individual when all that came out, I just traded that darkness for the darkness of shame, the darkness of <sighs> guilt, the darkness of, uh, unworthiness, the darkness of, you know, I, I felt like that I had ruined uh, every dream that my wife or my kids would have ever had, I'd ruined my dreams. So that was, uh, that's, so it was a depressed, oppressed, uh, and sometimes even tangible. You've ever been in, I'm sure you have been in a situation where you could tangibly feel darkness and oppression and just, it's like, what is what is going on? Why are you touching me, Jim? <laughs> I was touching Dale just now. Well, you know, well, the, you know do, that we need to pray for. Do we need to pray for Dale? Right? Well, okay, I, mean, I don't know. I, I didn't know I could touch darkness till just okay, now. Well, well, you said so. You said that you were. I apologize. You said you were no. the darkness of shame. I, I have. I'll tell you what. I'll be honest, JT. This is not going the way I thought. This is like going way better. I have okay. written three pages of notes already. So I'm really intrigued by your story, man. I, I'm just, yeah. a, I'm a story guy. So you, you said that you were in the darkness. You define darkness for me of shame and guilt and unworthiness. I mean, and dreams ruined. You just, you're describing things that really ruin men, right? Because men sure. are all about pride and they're all about, you know, uh, uh, their dreams and they're all about feeling better than, you know, trying to be better than the next guy. But you're, you had all of this stripped away. And so you are at the lowest point in your life. Yes. In 04. Now, when you were speaking, I had a verse come to my brain. Romans 8, 1 says, for there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How yeah. does that passage, that truth from the Bible, how does that interact with your darkness? How did those two interact together? Well, condemnation actually brings darkness, right? Yes. I mean, it's conviction that brings light. Oh, well, 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 say that it, again. That was really good. 
Say yes. that again about conviction and versus con, uh, condemnation. That was really, really good. So condemnation, just think about it this way. Condemnation turns the light off. Ooh. Conviction turns the light back on. Mm. Whoa. Because, it, because it, 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 conviction is there to expose so that you can grow and, and take care of whatever problems or issues uh, that have arisen. Wow, the, that's really good. The, the, the condemnation turns the light off so you actually can't even see what you're supposed to work on because oh. you're, because you're so, you're so, uh, condemnation is actually a very selfish act, by the way, uh, because, because it, 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 it just makes you focus on yourself, not in the way focus on myself to get better for the sake of others, focus on myself so that I can be <laughs> depressed and woe is me. And, you know, then you, you know, interestingly enough, you go from the shame, you go from the darkness of your sin to the, to the darkness of shame, condemnation, bitterness. I mean, uh, shame, condemnation and all that to the darkness of, then you switch over to bitterness, anger, you know, all that. I mean, you're, you're continuing in this darkness until, you get to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which flips on the light, and then you go, "That's okay. That's what I want." Because I don't think any man, I believe, I say this all the time: you'll never condemn a man to greatness, not ever. Mm. Ooh, yes, and, that's and so, powerful. And so, my job as a men's leader, pastor, coach, teacher, trainer, whatever I do, whatever form I, I'm in, is to simply just simply to raise the awareness of the greatness that's inside of a man that God implanted, by the way, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't put this in a man, therefore I can't take it out. God implanted it. And it's, I think it's when you raise the awareness of a man and the greatness in him, conviction actually comes by the Holy Spirit will start to convict because conviction is what brings change. He so wants, it's he just wants a real that. Simple, absolutely. And no man wants to be in darkness. That's the thing. No man goes out and wakes up every day and says, hey, what can I do today to really depress my life? <laughs> I mean, no man does that. Every man, every man's, here's another little statement I say all the time. Men's highest intentions are good according to their current level of awareness. He's just, mm. his intentions are good. He just, he's not been made aware yet that what he's doing is actually depriving him of greatness. Well, earlier in the podcast, you said weakness is a way for us to expose a growth area. Right. And which is very similar to conviction, right? That's right. So I wrote some things down here, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, I, I, just as you were talking. So on a negative level, in, condemnation is a focus. You called it selfish. So it's an inward focus. So I'm inwardly focused on my condemnation. But now when I experience conviction, I now am outwardly focused, which is I can do this. I can I can be different. But then at some point, I heard you say, we've got to have an upward focus, which is only through God can I become my best version. So we have inward negatively, outward positively, and upward is uh, the uh, highest potential or the apex of who we can become. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, and it also follows, <clears throat> think about it this way, inward focus. So when I'm condemned, I'm inward focus. Uh, there's, 
because I think the highest calling of a man, Stephen says it this way. I say it differently, but Stephen says you have a destiny, but your destiny is tied to the destiny of others. Hmm. I say, I say that my destiny as a man is to live for the sake of others. Absolutely. And that's, and that's when you know that it's gone from condemnation to conviction and from conviction to healing, because now I understand that I don't live for myself. And actually everything that I do, it's the old airplane. You know, when the, when the oxygen mask drop, you got to put the, the mask on yourself, right? Yes. Everybody. I mean, that's a very common, but it's true. Yes. And why is that? Because they're asking you to, to be in a position to help somebody else. That's when you know that, you know, your wounds and, and look, I may, I, I probably still have wounds. Uh, and I'm, I'm definitely not against, you know, healing of wounds and stuff like that. But man, if you're not into the doing while that's going on, uh, man, you just, you just, you just stand the chance of becoming so self-centered mm-hmm. that you're right back into that darkness, uh, you know, entitlement, like all that stuff comes, you know, when you're in that position. So, mm. yeah. Well, I, I've always seen that men grow when they start serving and helping others. And oh, so, absolutely. And, and I've seen guys that have no job and go and start serving, and then all of a sudden a job appears that's just magnum. And so when we yep. start looking beyond ourselves, when we're in the middle of the mess, uh, good things happen. That's right. Now, this is, this is really, really uh, powerful stuff, and I'm trying to process it. You said be in a position to help someone else. And I wholeheartedly agree. Dale and Pat next to me, they model a service. I've told my kids it's not about success in life that makes you happy. It's about serving other people. You also threw in the air mask dropping out of the airplane. Now, my wife's a flight attendant, so that's her speech, right? Oh, and so I've probably, probably met her. Do you know oh, her? Alaska, her Alaska Airlines, look for Shanna. She's a really pretty blonde girl. She'll give you free oh, stuff okay. if you say you know me. Oh, God. I hope. <laughs> or she'll another, throw coffee another, in your lap. Another, yeah, that's right. <laughs> another bag of peanuts. That's what I need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but that cheese plate is pretty delicious. Anyway, um, but you said being in a position to help someone else and then that air mask coming down, I think about it this way. I think in order for me to help somebody else, I need to have the oxygen flowing. So there is an element where I need to take care of me. That's right. So that before I take care of you. And so the problem, depending on who is listening to us right now, they can take it one way or the other, depending on where they are in life. Where's the balance between those two, uh, JT? Because I'm 100% on board with what you're saying. Let's help our listeners to go to understand the balance between when does helping myself become selfish, boyish, childish, and when does helping others become martyrdom? Uh, I think an indicator is when, when like, <clears throat> I'm sure you work out, I mean, I'm looking at you. You look like a beast of a man. So I'm husky. I mean, I'm sure that you I'm, work I'm out. Husky. Uh, <laughs> big, big I was trying to be nice. I'm big boned, uh, man. Big boned. <laughs> big boned. We 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 say big bone dead just to give a little bit. Anyway, Ooh, I love uh, that. <laughs> you know, you know one one indicator is that it just say that the oxygen mask drops. You put it on. And you're happy that you got it on, yet you don't help anybody because you're looking at yourself with the mask on. So that's 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 not. It's like people, and again, uh, 
it's like I love when I love when these gyms send out stuff. You know, hey, it's bikini season coming in. You know, so come and get in shape. Yeah. Like their whole motivation is come get in shape so people can look at you so you can look good in your bikini. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I mean, not my bikini. I don't wear well, bikinis. My bikinis, but, I can never. I've had to go back to tank bikinis because my bikinis yeah. don't fit right. <laughs> I have full body. I have full body armor when I go. To, Kevlar, anyway, baby. Kevlar uh, at the beach. <laughs> all the way. <laughs> but I think the end. I, I, but I think it's the reason. What is the reason why you do the things that you do? Oh, you know the the older I get, it's like why do I take the time to exercise every day, or why do I take the time to try to eat right? It's it's not that I I want to look good and stuff. I mean, I do want to look good, but it's like I want to be around for my kids. Navy SEALs. I've worked with a ton of Navy SEALs. You know that. Or let me just say special ops because if I start singling out, so I'll get an email. So special ops, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's interesting with special ops guys. Man, they work out a ton, and they get so strong. And the benefit is they look good, they feel good. But that's not the reason why they work out. The reason why they work out is if one of their men go down, they have to be able to carry him and mm-hmm. his equipment out. So the the reason why they do it is to save a brother, they just get the benefit of doing it. Yeah. And I think if you have that mentality, you, it, it'll be harder to become self-absorbed and self-centered and, you know, look at your bicep in the mirror, you know, the whole time you're at the gym. So, or post stuff on Facebook. Yeah. Anyway. I, yeah. I hear you. Well, so I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier in the podcast, because I think that as we look at this balance between being in a position to help others yet not going overboard with it. I, I think that we are, as you said earlier in the podcast, we are in a state of confusion as men. Men are really confused. As you speak to men, uh, JT, what are some of the areas you're going, man, there, there are some ringing areas of confusion among men as you travel and speak to them? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I know the list is probably long, brother. It is long. You know, one of the, one of the, the, you know, the obvious ones, uh, that men deal with all the time is just their sexuality. And I don't mean, I don't, what I don't mean by that is gender confusion or that. I just mean the sexuality and their role, um, in, in their, their role in creation and what sexuality is actually for. Okay. I'm going to, I want to come back to that. We're going to take a quick break from our sponsor and get right back to you. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called The Men in the Arena. There, you'll lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred, and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote the man card, five characteristics separating men from boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great Unforgot app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. No book written defines manhood in such a way as this. I'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic. Yes, I believe it's that good. In the man card, I expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males. This book 
will change your life. Guys, thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time. Become your best version. Join the fight to change your world because when you get it, everyone wins. Okay, so let's let's talk about the sexuality in men. Are, are you talking about sexuality because of the bombardment with uh, sexual images or their role sexually in the relationship with the wife? W- w- what are you meaning by this? Uh, let me say it this way. Uh, the sexuality as a role is them as a man. Okay. Whether, whether you're single or married. Our culture has said that sexuality, or let's just call it what it is, you know, having sex you don't have to. You don't have to be married to have sex. You can. You know, it's just a part of our culture now. It's that's confusing if you're trying to be a godly man. It's not confusing if look. I, if you're not a Christian man, I go well. Yeah, do whatever you want. I Cel- mean, they celebrate the sin. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. What, yeah. And look, we, the scripture even tells us that for for a moment, sin is fun. Yep. Right. So okay, I mean, enjoy yourself. Uh, but if you're trying to be live a, 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 as, as a man that was created by God for a certain purpose, which that's another thing men are confused by, is just purpose. But, uh, you know, what is what is my it's like I was talking to a guy. Uh, I've talked to a bunch of guys, but, you know, they'll come to me about their girlfriend and say, you know, she's just not really respecting me as a man. And, you know, we try to come to church and, blah, blah, blah. you know, he goes through all this stuff. And I go, so how long have y'all been sleeping together? Well, you know, about. Uh, you know, and it goes right in like, here's why she's not respecting you. You say I'm a Christian man. Your actions say completely something else. So you're not a man of integrity. Well, and here's the other thing. There, the gaps in integrity with men in the church is uh, uh, unbelievable. But here's yeah. the other thing that you brought up, JT, is that is that same, I'm going to put the word Christian in quotes, yes. that quote Christian man who's having sex with his girlfriend what that man, that same man will tell you when you ask him, what's your role as a man in this relationship? To protect her. Okay, well, you're, you're saying your role is to protect her and provide for her, whatever. I agree with that. Yet you parade her around in the church like some harlot, and your role yeah. is to protect her. So, bro, you are, again, we're talking about guys that are claiming to be Christian guys. The other guys, they're going to celebrate this stuff. It's, they're not even a, a part of the discussion, but... But that Christian guy, he needs to realize his role to protect her starts before marriage, and that woman that he's with may not be his wife. Somebody else may be dating his future wife. So he needs to be playing long yeah. ball here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's actually, he he's absolutely right. We are called to protect and provide, no doubt about it. We just happen to forget, uh, and I say it's not accidentally that they forget, they forget they have to protect them, protect her from from himself. Yeah, yeah. It's like part of, part of protection is not outward protection; it's inward protection. I know my proclivities. Every man knows that he, he's sexual, and we see. I mean, we're so sexually saturated culture that you know it's like I have to protect her from me and my desires because I'm going to have them. Yes, but but to honor her. As a, you know, when my daughter's married, Allie's married, and, you know, look, of all, all the things that I've done in my past uh, that I'm very ashamed of, my, one of my God's gifts to me that I know that he exists is that my <laughs> daughter and son-in-law <clears throat> were both virgins when they got married. Now, look, 
I heard you guys on one of your podcasts talking about epigenetics. You know, I study the brain all the time because I want to know how, you know, this works. I knew that there was a proclivity in her that she could be what I passed down to her and my kids was not a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, I just look now I did. It does be needs to be duly noted that I absolutely threatened the life of that boy when he was dating my daughter. <laughs> I make I, I actually make no bones about that. Oh, I love it. He probably respects let, you for it. <laughs> I let him know how many guns I had and how many had his name on it. So better yet, the rusty blade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but you know, I mean, it's it's the the lack of honoring women is uh, I mean it's sad we're in a sad state when we can't honor them as you know as the scripture says as sisters and mothers yes, right yes. that's how we're supposed to look at them and yet even even beyond that that they become an object of our personal desire and pleasure and um, and we can cloak it in love which I've come to learn now that actually I didn't love my wife when we got married. I was learning to love her. Right. So, and I think that that's a process of marriage that we learn to love. Like first Corinthians says, love is kind, Mm -hmm. you know, it goes through all that. That's a mature kind of love. Uh, That's why further down, it says when I was a child, I spoke like a child, act like, right. And reason like a a man. Yeah. But when I became a man, I put childish things aside. What are the childish things that was put aside? It's because when I was a child, I was selfish in my love because as a child, everything's taking care of me. Sure, I love my mother because she feeds me all the time and takes care of me. But a mature love is as we grow into it. So I'm saying that I'm still learning to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I'm still learning that. And I don't do it daily. And I realized that I realized that how much I didn't love her. Back in the day, I was just in lust with her. <laughs> that's what. It, that's actually what it was. Well, you're absolutely right. Yeah, when I was, I, I tell people that I became a man as a 20 year old pastor, football coach, who'd been married for two years. I did not become a man until I realized that my role in her life was to outlove and outserve her. Before that, now we did not have sex before we were married. Now we crossed the lines. We never had physical sexual intercourse. So on that level, you would you would applaud that, but I lusted her. I had, and I, I'm ashamed to admit this, JT, and I, I want to ask you if you've done this too in your first 13 years. I had objectified my wife. I thought if I marry her, I'll have sex on demand, I'll have cooking on demand, I'll have cleaning on demand, and she did one of those three, and it wasn't sex or cooking. <laughs> you know, right, and, right. and the other two, she expected I had to earn one and do the other one. And so right. uh, I had objectified my wife. Did you experience that in your marriage, the objectification of women, either your wife or these others? Sure. And here's here's the fact. You can't you can't single out and objectify just one woman. You can't you you don't have uh you don't kind of you don't have that kind of selection selection in your mind. Agreed. You objectify all women. Absolutely. Right? So, you know, and even and I, I will have to admit this, uh I still kind of objectify my wife when it comes to the sexual part, but you know, anyway, she knows it at least. So, but well, I mean, is that, yeah, I got to We, we could have a debate about that one. So anyway, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, but it's now because it's, you know, I've learned uh, and I'm still learning. Uh, gosh, isn't that amazing? I mean, you can be married all these years. Oh you yeah. Still learn, but you know what I've learned to, like you said, just learn to serve my wife and not to get anything just because I love her. 
in the process, she understands my needs and my likes and what I want and my wants. And she's more than happy to be a part of that because I'm more than happy to be a part of what, what she likes and what makes her feel loved and what makes her feel honored and respected. And so it's very mutual. Man, so, that's so powerful. You know, I, I, uh, we have our men in the arena and, and one of the guys said on there, he posted, what's one advice you'd give the younger guys? And I said, out love and out serve your wife. And I would say, and I think you would agree. I said, my sex life really improved when I stopped giving massages for sex and just gave massages to give massages. Yeah. Once she saw me serving her without any expectation or reciprocation, it changed the whole game because now she yeah. realized it was not an objectification thing, but I truly loved and cherished her. And so that's that, right. That's just really powerful. No, so, I agree. So, so your wife, Shelly, let's talk about Shelly. So you uh, sent a p- picture of your family and you, you instantly <laughs> were joking. That's not my daughter. That's my wife. So I'm like, okay, this guy's yeah. clearly in love with his wife. And she is, she is a very pretty lady. But she has to be a very strong lady to put up with your crap the first thirteen years, right? So, oh, so and how my, and my crap the last fourteen years? It's a different kind of crap, but it still it's smells like crap. It still smells. <laughs> so, so, so let me ask you this question. You know, people ask guys like me and guys like you all the time because we're working with men, so we get the the misandrists out there saying, "Well, so what about women? So, so what's your stance on women? And and are you wanting to, these men to be macho men? And and I don't know, bro, but here's what I tell people, and I, tell me if you think I'm wrong here. Our world needs stronger women. Part of the problem with our world and the weakness of men is weak women who will give their bodies up for for love, who who won't stand their ground, who won't fight for what they believe." And I'm not blaming women. It ultimately rests on the shoulders of men. I'm just saying our world needs strong women. The stronger, the better. What, what do you think about that in building strong men? What, what are your reactions? Uh, yeah, no, I 100% agree with that statement. My, if my wife were uh, a weak woman, our marriage would not be what it is. Uh, I mean, I'm a pretty strong personality. Yes, I, I can I can suck the oxygen out of a room as the moment I walk in. <laughs> My wife, however, is the complete opposite. But yet, I feel like most of the time she shows way more strength than I do. Whoa! Uh, yeah, just just with her presence, and and really, it's she's strong because she knows who she is, and more importantly, she knows what she's not. So she doesn't try to be something that she's not. She just stays true to who she is, which is a quiet. She's, you know, my wife is uh, quite a bit younger than I am. She's 44. And, uh, but yet she's got the wisdom of a 60 year old woman because of all the things that we've been through. Mm. And there's, you know, I don't know about you. I've been in situations where a general has walked into a room and he was in plain clothes and you didn't know he was a general but he walked in and the atmosphere changed. It was like, what just happened? Hmm. Uh, it was because of what he brings with him. And that's my wife. I, she walks into a room. It's not just her beauty. I mean, she is, you know, she's pretty she's a beautiful woman. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Hey, see, when I start talking about that, I get a mental image and I have, I have to hesitate. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's her strength of person mm. and of who she is that makes you look at her. Uh, and even women have said that about her. It's like, man, just, you know, when Shelly walks in, it's just a diff, she brings a different atmosphere with her. 
uh, now she's witty and, you know, we, we laugh more than we do anything. Uh, we always say you're the funniest person I know. That's kind of one of our little sayings we got after we say a joke or something, uh-huh. but, uh, she's witty and smart and, but man, just her presence. Uh, and it's just because she knows who she is and she's not ashamed of it. Uh, she don't flaunt it. She doesn't flaunt herself, but she just, I mean, it's pretty incredible, but that only comes when you go through that process of not giving in to what the culture tells you, uh, this is what a woman looks like. Yeah. Yeah. She, she went straight to scripture. No, no, no. This is what a woman should look like. And she'll tell you that's her, uh, that's her grounding. Uh, that's why she is who she is. So you said earlier in the podcast that men, that God created men to be their best. And that, and so I, I firmly believe, uh, JT, that a man can never reach his maximum potential as a man apart from radical commitment to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's, con- that's controversial. But h- h- why do you think I say that? How, how can that be true? Because I know a lot of great men who are not religious, and I know a lot of horrible men who are. Sure. Horrible men. So, so what, what, what is that statement? How would you resonate? How would you speak to that statement when I say that? Hey, guy, you want to have the best marriage? You want to be the best version of you? You need to, you need to figure out your relationship vertically. Remember we talked about that upward, you know, yeah. inward, outward, upward. So how, speak to the upward part of it. Well, again, it goes back to the reason why somebody's great. I know a lot of, I know a lot of great guys. They're great at something, right? We're all meant to be great at something. Uh, man, maybe they're great businessmen. Maybe they're great entertainers. You know, I live in Nashville. There's a lot of, you know, entertainment around here. And you see guys up on stage. And But it still comes back to the reason why for the greatness. And the reason why I'm great at something is not to be great. The reason why I'm great is for the sake of someone else. It, it still comes back to that one statement. I mean, that's kind of my life motto. That's why I, I say it constantly in my head. I live for the sake of others. And my greatness lies in the greatness of others. It, it just does. Uh, me being great by myself is kind of a lonely spot. Me helping others be great and us getting to celebrate with each other, uh, what they've achieved. In, in, and I'm not, not talking money. I mean, money comes and goes, even though there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. I know, you know a lot of wealthy folks, love them all. But man, there's just something about, it's what I was talking about with Shelly. There's something about a man that knows who he is when he walks into a room that he's not trying to impress. He's not trying to impress because he knows that if I try to impress somebody, all the attention comes to me. But man, if I'm here to help somebody and I'm my, my eyes are open, my ears are open in this room to whatever whatever needs to be said that I'll say it in order to, to, to again, bring that greatness out of somebody, I'm going to do it. And it's just a different attitude. I used to be so self-absorbed. Uh, you know, I could suck an oxygen out of a room and then walk out and hope everybody died probably. But <laughs> at least, at least now, you know, I release it back to the room when I, oh, but, man. Uh, but I, again, I still think it comes back to, the, the reasons why we do what we do. Uh, and that's, and again, that's, I mean, that was Christ. Christ didn't come to be served. He come to serve. He didn't come to, uh, 
you know, put the spotlight on him. He kind of put the spotlight on us. He, he turned that light on in our lives, right? He brought that conviction, not the condemnation. Love it. Love it. And so it was just, it was for us. So that's how we should live. Well, I, I, one of the things I think about a lot, cause I struggle with sucking oxygen out of rooms is that when I walk into a room and I leave that room, are people thinking about how cool Jim Ramos is or JT McGraw is, or are people thinking about how cool they are or how cool right. God is? And so that that really is that it's humility. And That's so right. you made a comment earlier. You said that men are confused about their sexuality. I agree 100%. And you said the second thing was that they're confused about their purpose. Now, yep. uh, I just finished reading a book a couple about a year ago by Simon Sinek called It Starts With Why, and he asked the question, what's your why? You said, what is your reason for being? What is your why? And, uh, and, and, and men are definitely confused about their purpose. How, yep. Speak to me about when you, when you coach men, how, how, how do we speak to this issue of purpose? What do you tell men that they can do to discover their purpose in life, their purpose as a man? Here's the great thing about purpose is that I actually <clears throat> don't know anyone's purpose. That's good. I have no, I have no clue. It's actually not even my job to figure that out. My job, I feel in, as a man, it's like when you said, you know, do I, when I leave a room, what is the person thinking when I, are they thinking about me? Or are they thinking about, did I encourage them or, you know, say something that thinking about, man, you know, that was great, you know, uh, is that my job is to raise the level of awareness of the greatness inside of a man. Mm. I think when you do that, look, greatness is like an acorn, right? Acorn, it's funny, an acorn has, an, or an acorn, wherever you're from. A We're acorn, West Coast, West Coast a corn. <laughs> That grows an oak tree, not a corn kernel. They were anyway, looking at me like, "What's he what's talking he about? Talking what's about? an acorn?" I, got you. I, got, I just, I could, I could see the look like. What? <laughs> and by the way, y'all have very weird accents. Anyway, um, <laughs> an acorn has everything it needs inside of it to grow to to an oak tree. Yes, it needs nothing else except for two things. It needs to be in the right soil, and it needs to be watered. That's it. So when a man realizes that that greatness is like that in him, he just needs to be put in the right soil, in the right position, and he needs to be watered. Okay, that's that's very easy. You get what's the soil? You get around the right people. Yes. You put yourself in the in the position with 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 being affected by what you see, what you hear. Then watering comes from what? The word. The word of God waters our lives. When he does that, purpose is birthed. And I don't know what that purpose is, but it will be revealed to him in that process. And most men are surprised what their purpose is. They thought it was this. I mean, how many times have you heard, man, you know, I was doing life and yeah. I thought this was, and then Christ came into my life and all that changed. You know, it's like, well, yeah, because you were, you were, you were not, you were not on the highest purpose. You had purpose, but it wasn't the highest purpose. Yes. That's why well, I, I ask guys this. Guys, two questions. What, why, who, who are you and why are you here? And those, those questions, really, those deeper soul questions, I would struggle to find a guy to, to answer those without, without God in the picture because it, he created us. He right. designed us. He, ha, he created the plan. 
you know, based on who we are. I don't think there's, I think there's a lot of choices in life, but there's nobody like me and nobody knows me like me and God. And so the way I discover that perfect plan or the way I discover who I am is through the water. It's through learning right. who I am through the word. What does the Bible say to me about through the word? And what are my buddies saying as they bear witness to me and, and, and encourage me for it? And honestly, what is my wife saying? I mean, our wives really call out the greatness in us more than anybody else. That's right. And so it's really funny because in a Proverbs 27, 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. But Proverbs 27, 16 talks about your wife as a drip of, dripping faucet. And That's I really right. link those two together. I think That's that good. verse is actually more written for the male-female husband-wife relationship than other men because she is, I don't know about you, JT, but my wife is the number one most sharpening agent in my life. She's the one who makes yeah. the sparks fly more than anybody else. Yeah. And so, um, and I don't get me wrong. I, we need brothers to do that as well. But uh, that's, that's right. I, I don't know. That's what I think. So. Yeah. The great, one of the funniest things that Shelly says, you probably get this too, is when we're having a little spat or, I mean, we don't really fight any at all, but when we have a disagreement, my wife, the comeback always is, well, what would you tell another man to do? It's like, you know, Oh, I've never heard that man ever. Never, uh, yeah, never. never heard that. Oh man. Yeah. We've never heard. Uh, We're yeah. pulling out a lot of hypotheticals right now. Totally hypothetical. Totally hypothetical. Yeah. So anyway, Hey, last question, man. Uh, hey, yeah. We're open books here. Last question here at the man card podcast. And I've actually written the book on the man card, which we'll send you a copy for free. Uh, we have you. defined manhood as five things, protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. So, JT, which of those five stands out the most for you personally and why? Uh, you know, uh, what was the last one? Finishing strong. Yeah, I mean, that, that to me is... Uh, for where I'm at in my life right now, uh, man, that's so important for me. You know, a lot of guys, man, they give up at the last 10 years of their life. You know, mm -hmm. they just kind of revert back to craziness. Yep. And it's like, man, I don't want to be that. I want to finish strong. I just, I don't want to uh, ruin my credibility or the credibility of my kids. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I want to set them up to, to succeed. And part of that is finish strong means I'm leaving a legacy, right? That's, that's way beyond me. And it's actually way beyond my, even my kids. It goes back, goes on to my, my grandchildren and my grandchildren's children. Absolutely. So that's where I'm at right now. You know, I'm looking at my life a little differently. Turning 50 was not hard for me. It was just a very reflective time for me. Uh, and I just, you know, man, I just want to finish strong the last, you know, 50 years I got here because I will make a Smucker's jar on NBC today. So, oh, you know, so it's, it. just my, it's my goal in life. So, uh, <laughs> just want to make the Smucker's jar. So, the next, oh, you know, really the next 30, 40 years of life, I mean, I, I got to finish strong. I just can't start this way and, and have my middle section of my life, you know, strong. I got to finish and actually not finish strong. I actually say finish stronger, but just finish stronger than. Uh, than I am currently right now. So, so this box here, this box here is in my office, and it was a, it has written on it, found next to the body, and that was the gun that they put my stepdad's gun in after he <clears throat> tragically ended his own life. And wow. uh, we have a conference we do called the Man Card Men's Weekend. So it's a men's retreat that we come to your church and do a thing. 
And uh, the first one we did, Pat George next to me here, he put the, the event on. It was a huge success. My sons all showed up, and my youngest son, Colton, the other day said, you know, Dad, I've been thinking. A lot of guys finish wrong, but yeah. we want to finish strong. Well, he was quoting oh, yeah. me from the message. Wow. But, but I thought that's so powerful in life. So many men finish wrong, and we applaud those men, right? We don't call it divorce. We don't call it getting fired. We don't call it quitting. We don't call it leaving your team midseason and not going to a bowl game because you got a job as an NFL coach. We call it some moving on to something better, but but let's call it what it is. It's quitting. It's finishing wrong. And so we need more men in this world who have the cojones to finish strong. And That's so right. um, <clears throat> so I, I'll tell you what, uh, JT, I have resonated with you, man. I, I want to get you back on here again. I notice you are writing a book. So once you finish that book, let's get you on the show. Let's uh, talk about your book, see if we can get some copies sold for you. And let's continue <laughs> the conversation, good. brother. So, hey, thank you Absolutely. so much, man, for coming on. It's been a wonderful, wonderful event. And uh, uh, we're going to get a hold of you and send you out that book or something, maybe a couple things, maybe a shirt or something. So, hey, uh, guys, uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Guys, changing your world, discovering your purpose, understanding healthy sexuality. These things are, are uh, simple to talk about, but they're very difficult sometimes in this world that leaves us confused. So guys, two things, three things. Enlist by downloading our free app, uh, subscribing to the Man Card Podcast, getting involved and engaging in the Men in the Arena Closed Facebook Forum for Men. Those are all free tools for you guys. The next thing, three, uh, number two, invest. Take your life and put something into your life. Put that oxygen mask on, get our resources, get involved in a local church, do something to invest in your life so that you can become the best version of you. And the last thing, guys, is change your world by championing the causes you care about. Get involved in the local church. Get involved with the Great Hunt for God. Get involved in serving in your community. We're excited to have you in the arena, men. Join us in building an army of men who are becoming the best for themselves and changing their world because when a man gets it, Everyone, Everyone wins. wins. Until next time, guys, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. <laughs> Not a roar like a lion, dude. Come on. You're like a Bon Jovi video or something. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of you, then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called The Man Card Weekend with The Men in the Arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card. Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. This is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does. In it, Jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his no-holds-barred style, distinguishing between men and boys. If you want to keep your man card, then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today. Simply go to the Great Hunt for God app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to this episode the man card podcast this is dale culver signing off until next time join our army and become the best version of you get in the arena let the world feel the full weight of who you are grind it out be a man
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.